Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. listening to the quantum leap podcast this is episode 65 temptation eyes come on over here come on come over here the background's better take the mic here huh the mic and now we'll be switching live to action eyes dylan powell who's at the scene of another brutal strangulation murder in chinatown you're on in five four three two Oh, boy. Have the police released any information on the victim? Well, actually, I just leaped in here, arrived here, and uh, we just got out here, and I know there isn't any information. Even though you received an anonymous phone tip from the apparent killer, there's no official confirmation from the police that she's the sixth victim in the Chinatown Strangler case? Three networks are watching us tonight. I... What do you want, to blow our big shot getting signed by an affiliate? No, look, I'm sorry. I, I just... Uh, I got a little... Here comes Collins. But I haven't worked with the Hey, uh, so how about telling us something about the girl? But you ask your partner here. He's the one who's paying phone tag with whoever strangled her. Hey, Collins, Dylan was the... He called you first thing after he got the tip. Hey, what's, so what's going on in there? about it in the paper. Oh, hey, um, they're not letting anybody go in there. Detective Collins is expecting me. You work with the police? He asked me to help out in the case. What do you do? You some kind of a psychic or something? Yes. You must be one, too. I feel many things. The energy in here is very strong. I'm seeing a name. Janine. There's a sound coming from the other room. I see a man enter. He's on her. He's hurting her. Why is he hurting her? To get rid of his rage. Can I walk you home? What? It's it's dangerous. I'd feel better if I walked you home. I don't know you, but... Seems like I do. Probably from the TV. No, no. Someplace else. This has got to be one of the worst things that's ever happened in this city. So I must be here to stop the murders, right? Well, never mind the murders. Hers. No. She's the seventh victim. How soon does it happen? Two weeks. Two weeks? She must have gotten close to catching the killer or something and he came after her. Come on, you don't believe in this psychic mumbo-jumbo, do you? Excuse me, do you like orange spice, Sam? Who are you? You can see me? Yes. Uh, No, Sam, no, uh uh-uh, you can't tell her. I'm, uh, tired of pretending. Then tell me. 
If you do, you may not leap. Well, maybe I don't want to. I'm Sam. Sam Beckett. Why are you here? I'm here for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Christopher DeFilippis, and, and, and I feel a name. It starts with M or A. I feel it. I feel a name. Did you, did you see it in a dream? <laughs> I saw it in a dream. Uh, well, I'm Allison Pregler. Oh, that's the name. That was it. <laughs> yeah, Allison. <laughs> and I want to know what love is. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to know from watching this episode. What's what's the M? It's Matt. Hi. Uh, <laughs> hey, how are you? Um, Yay. Yay. It's Matt. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. So we're talking about Temptation Eyes today. If my mm. Tamlin Tamita or Tamlin Matsuda impression didn't cue you in, um, how are you guys doing? Doing good. I'm pumped for this one. Yeah. See, I'm baffled as to why you guys are so pumped for this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's negative Nancy oh. coming in. Here I come. Well, Temptation Eyes uh, is one that Matt seemed very excited about, if only because he could sing. And I, he's been making the foreigner references fast and furious. Hang on, I never made any promises to sing apart from in in messenger form. Um, you got to do it. I think, <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll see the show out with it. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. You know what? Also, like like there's that song and boy, boy howdy, I'm so excited about that. But also, like the name of the episode is another song that just keeps getting stuck in my head. I really like that one. Temptation as something, something in my soul. Is it? Is this another Kiss song? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what? What? What is Temptation Eyes? I've never heard a song called Temptation Eyes. Okay, he's never heard that. It's a 1971 song by Grassroots, apparently. Oh gosh, I'll uh, I'll 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 link you up to a version of the song i swear i've never heard this but i just quoted my book and that's that's what it's it says it's grassroots in there so it's a good song ah here's a link let's see allison's just sent us a youtube link there's a link there so now you'll you'll know what's been stuck in my head the picture says it all (laughs) grassroots i've seen them live in concert they were opening for the monkeys nice yeah with with a couple other bands so this was back in the 80s when the monkeys had their brief resurgence before they had their second brief resurgence. Now I'm playing Temptation Eyes by the Grassroots. And uh, now we're all going to be able to talk about our memories of the 80s, which I think <laughs> is going to differ quite considerably. Yeah, I don't, I don't know this song at all. Oh, it's so good. I can't wait to get into that song. Okay. All right, all right. We have to get focused again. Allison. Um, focus. <laughs> focus, all right. Uh, grassroots and all. Uh, how about uh, since you have uh, so many great uh, musical associations with this episode, what are your initial impressions of Temptation Eyes? I think this episode's great. I like it a lot. I think it's uh, it's very romantic. I think it's the most romantic episode of Quantum Leap. Wow. Yeah. I praise indeed, Matt. Yeah, I would... Absolutely agree with that. I love it. I th- I think oh, it's it's beautifully romantic. However, when I went through this to uh, put my notes together, it reminded me of just how many things are actually wrong with it. <laughs> I, I I love it. I, I don't care about all the things that are wrong with it. it. It's a terrible episode in many ways, but I adore it. <laughs> I love it. Here's all the things I hate. <laughs> yes, this is. I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna be that guy. This. <laughs> 
This is I'm going to show my love by ripping it apart. Oh, I'm excited to dig into it. I, I really thought, honestly, uh, Chris, that this would be something that you would be into, but uh, it seems like I was very wrong on that part. Now, Chris actually remembers the early 80s, so he's probably got other issues with it. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> <laughs> Not my it, 80s. <laughs> exactly. Whether it, well, you know, how and if I remember the early 80s has nothing with the fact that this is just, it. it's not a good episode. So um, I got plenty of stuff to, to rip apart about it. And uh, Matt, I look forward to maybe joining you in some of that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's real funny because it reminds me of the reason why, and I think, let me, let me backtrack. Allison, you thought that I would have a lot to love in this episode. And I think think I know why you think that, but uh, you tell me. You tell me why you thought it would be right up my alley. Just because it's got more sci-fi elements in it. Mm. It just seems like you're you're into that more. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Is it sci-fi, though? No. Well, the psychic stuff, no. I feel. Ex- that's <laughs> more supernatural, I guess. Oh, and there we go. Yeah. Not especially sci-fi. Yeah. All right. Maybe that's the difference there. It's mm. less uh, scientific and more, you know... Dreams mean something. <laughs> and that's they? one of the things that's wrong with this. Oh my god, now I know why you don't like it. The dreams! Hey. Oh, <laughs> it's my mommy! Hey, I don't remember Tamlin to me to putting that voice on. <laughs> He's gonna kill me! He's gonna kill me! Tamlin! <laughs> kill my girlfriend! It's my ghost mommy in my bedroom! <laughs> Anyway, I really thought that you guys thought I would like this because of all the TV reporting stuff and my background in journalism. Oh, <laughs> oh <yeah>. okay. <laughs> Is that why it bugs you? Oh, so much. And Really? I never got it because when I was watching this the first time I was in J school, so I, you know, I was just like, oh, he's a reporter, he's doing a live shot, he's doing a stand-up, blah, blah, blah. But back up a little bit. Um here in this house, because my wife is a nurse, we do not watch any medical shows because she can't get past everything that she sees wrong constantly on screen. <laughs> and I'm not a fan of them anyway, so I don't miss them. But this put me in that headspace for her. I just kept on seeing everything that they got wrong about broadcast television. And I was just like, wait, wait, wait. So I'll get into some of that. But like showing dead bodies right on the freaking screen. <laughs> no, they would do They're that. like, can we show that on the ten o'clock news? No, you can't. You can't just show a shot of just a dead body. And they said they said, Can <laughs> we show it can about? we show it again on the ten o'clock news is what he asked. Like, no, you cannot. <laughs> this is a show about a psychic who can see a time traveller who cannot be seen by anyone else. <laughs> and you're worried about suspending disbelief. Yes. <laughs> no, I was bothered by that too though. There's like it's like whenever they show people like filming things on a movie set, like the stunt one when like all of a sudden like he doesn't know he's on a movie set, stuff like that, where it's like that wouldn't make any sense. That's not how they film things. And it's true. And Matt, I, I know what you're getting at. It's ridiculous for me to focus on the real world stuff, but the real world stuff is just one part of many that don't work in this episode. So it's just I happen to have a lot about that and many another element. <laughs> so. Chris, I think you just you just need to know what love is. <laughs> Do you want me to you show need you? Them to show you. <laughs> You've been promising me that since the end of Running for Honor, and I'm still still sitting here waiting, still sitting here waiting. So you, you didn't get the photos I emailed. Them. <laughs> I got to look at my naughty spam folder. Yeah. <laughs> is it possible that this episode has 
the best soundtrack of all time. Yes, and can I? <laughs> no, can I just can I make a point here before Chris disagrees with you? Everyone bitches and moans about the music replacement on the DVD in MIA. That is nothing compared to this. I will gladly take the rubbishy music replacement in MIA if I could keep. I want to know what love is in this. Oh, the foreigner, the foreigner. Yes. I was just, uh, you know what? The funny thing about that is the way, it, the way that I originally watched the show was the universal DVDs with the music mm-hmm. replacements. I didn't yeah. know about the music replacements. I genuinely thought that was the real music. Aww. And so when someone posted a clip of this with the foreigner over it on like uh, Tumblr, someone put it up. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> I thought that they like jokingly put that over and I'm like, haha, that's so funny. And they're like, no, that's, that's no. And I saw it like finally with the original soundtrack and it was just like the perfect convergence of elements. Just ah, oh, so good. The sincerity of it. It's yes. like um when Miami Vice used it, you know? It's no <laughs> joke. They wanna know what love is. Yeah. I wanna know what love is. I want you to show I think that you guys have a much more romantic sense of this song than I do, and maybe because I remember the early 80s and you don't. <laughs> but, well, it was huge then, wasn't it? It's still yes, big. Yes, it was. And I, I can tell you this. The reason why I never liked this song is because I can also remember the um, the late 70s, and Foreigner is a rock band. So to me, Foreigner is sort of like more of a hard edge. But then in the early 80s, bands like Heart and Foreigner that were like like really good rock bands in the late 70s reinvented themselves and became adult contemporary nonsense. And this is Foreigner's flagship song when it comes to making that transition. So I don't blame them because they were keeping themselves relevant, but I just, every time I heard it, my heart broke a little bit. Yeah, rock ballads were were huge. Was Heart, was the, were they the ones that did the like, Mm, that song or was that no no okay yeah. no wait no wait whoa i think you might be thinking crush test dummies it's oh, not the okay. once there was a girl who was it the mm, <laughs> right yeah yeah okay. no that's what that's, heart do i know i've heard of heart they're two brothers right with like blonde hair hearts uh, um what about love <laughs> heart did what about love and, um, they had a they had a bunch of hits in the eighties that were very pop, but in the seventies, if you listen to their stuff like Crazy on You and Dog and Butterfly, they they were a real great rock band. And I've um, heard Crazy on You, yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's that's pretty much their signature song. And then the eighties came along, and they became just a straight up. Um, you, I think you're thinking we can't go on together. Whoa, whoa. I think that's the what were you thinking of? So, no, I was wow. definitely thinking of the really shitty because <laughs> it's it, uh, not a good song. <laughs> I always like that song. Chris, you, you said earlier that the fact that you remember the early 80s has nothing to do with how you feel about this episode, but clearly it brings back a lot of painful memories of the death of the 70s. <laughs> clearly I lied. <laughs> yeah. 
Can we go back to the 70s? I want Disco Inferno again. (laughs) That didn't use Disco Inferno. What a waste. It was all country. Uh, You you know what I like about this episode? And maybe this is uh, because I didn't grow up in the 80s. Like, I spent 25 days in the 80s, so I don't remember it. (laughs) But um, Such a show off. (laughs) Uh, But I do like that uh, we mentioned this before. That uh, 80s leaps, they didn't do them very much because it was so close to when they actually aired stuff and they they were wanting to do more nostalgia, more uh, obvious time travel stuff. Mm-hmm, right. But that also means that when they did 80s leaps, they were more uh, tame than I think uh, 80s stuff now would be. Oh, of like, course. If so, people do that stuff now, it's like pastel aerobics kind of stuff <laughs> right. there would be rubik's yeah, cubes this, all over the place and yeah. yeah yeah and this one didn't do that and i i really loved the uh the fashion too like lots of shoulder pads really great mm, yeah those were <laughs> quintessential 80s but you're right allison there has been sort of um like a almost like a cartoon cartoonization could we say cartoonization uh, i just coined a term of um what the 80s were based on all of the iconic pop culture stuff that people remember but the 80s was very mundane and it's another reason why i don't like episodes set in the 80s because to me they look much more like a contemporary drama as opposed to some of the good period stuff that we get from Quantum Leap, which is something I enjoy immensely about the show. The 80s stuff, to me, I just look at it, it's just visually dull. So that's another thing that this episode had going against it. A lot of this is my baggage. Okay, Matt, you're right. But... uh... So 80s leaps can sometimes leave me cold and and couple it with the fact that this was more of a, like a thriller and a procedural. I'm not crazy about that genre either. I could get that. Obviously you guys are pumped, pumped for um, Temptation Eyes. (laughs) So before I go off on everything that's wrong with it, Matt, I want to hear you go off on what you think was wrong with it, because it seems to me, Allison, you have a lot of great things to say, and Matt has a lot of great things to say because he hated them so much. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's that's what it sounded like when you first started. Um, I guess for me, a lot of the issue that I have with this is Al suddenly becoming the skeptic and Sam being a lot more open-minded. Sam also having a romantic relationship half a season after we've met his wife and Al just saying nothing about that. So that that's all cool. No. Um, we've, <laughs> we've completely forgotten about the Donna thing here. Well, Al did make a promise. The Well, the psychic thing, I think, is consistent, though, because um, in The Boogeyman... Sam talks about believing in ESP and psychics and telekinesis and all this stuff, and Al doesn't. Yeah, the the boogeyman's another outlier, though, and is probably all a dream. But yeah, all right, fair That's enough. True. There, there is uh, there is precedent for it, but it's not normal. Well, I think I I think I read somewhere like an analysis of the, and I'm sorry to like derail it a little bit. I just want to go into this just real quick. <laughs> no, tangents are good. We like. Them. But I read this um this great analysis of that in that it seems like when Al is the one into the supernatural and all that, it it is uniformly evil and negative kind of things. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that Sam seems to be into is is some of the more positive or scientific kind of stuff. True. So, um, I don't know, maybe there's something to that. Or maybe it's just inconsistent writing and they need him to argue. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, no, that's that's a pretty good. I I never thought of it that way, but it's a it's a fairly consistent summation, and I think it fits in with both characters because Sam would want something that you could prove empirically, and maybe test. And I guess Tamlin got the only spot in Oxford where they have a parapsychology course. Wasn't she in London or something <laughs> yeah. teaching a parapsychology? Yeah. <laughs> so I was teaching a parapsychology course in England the last few months. She's a very well-respected psychic. That was a little bit... <laughs> I think you got to suspend your disbelief for that. Yeah, and Al comes from a mainly religious background, and he believes in the devil, and he believes in hell. So, I mean, if you're, especially if you're heavily Catholic, I mean, you're praying to saints to protect mm -hmm. you from evil forces in the world. So it makes sense that he would believe that kind of stuff, in my opinion. Yeah. Anyway, okay. um, that's an interesting take. I never heard that before. Can we talk a little bit about the, the reason for the leap in the first place and the fact that God, fate, time, whatever, leaps him in too late to save anyone apart from Tamlin, but... No, there was four other people. There was four other women that died after that Al mentions. Yeah, yeah uh, so non none of them matter. Um, but <laughs> he, leaps in, he leaps in several weeks earlier than he needs to just so he can get off with her. yeah. I mean, he, he could have leapt in in the, the last day or two of that leap. It was basically a leap to give him a shag. Yeah, baby! <laughs> it was a leap for love! Yeah. It was a leap for love, guys! That's the point! The romantic part <laughs> of me loves that, and I absolutely adore that part of the episode, but it is, again, completely inconsistent. And it seems, if looking at that montage sequence, it does also seem that it takes most of the two weeks for them to finally jump into bed together, which is also inconsistent with Not true. all of Sam's other bed hopping. Not true? No, I think that that's what they were doing for that main time, because when I was writing my notes about how the romance just doesn't work at all in this episode, we have Sam basically instantly in love. And instead of, like, showing him falling in love and building a relationship, we just get the foreigner, you know, full moon montage. So how much time is passing and what are they doing? There's two weeks. Yeah, yeah there's, there's two weeks. And you can see that with the, the shots of the moon. So he's obviously banging her for those two weeks. No, but did you look at the way that... The way that sex... No, well, they can't show them in bed on a network show in the 80s, so it's all the other stuff. It's the post and pre-coital stuff. Because Sam isn't just about sleeping. There's more to romance than sleeping together. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they're like, you know, they're doing all this other romantic stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I think we were seeing the other stuff. I think we were seeing the ephemera. Okay, two things, though. Firstly, every previous time he's... And and there's also times in, in the, the next season that he jumps into bed with someone. He does it pretty damn quickly. He does not take his time. I don't think he took his time here, so I don't know why we're arguing. Well, because he knows that he has two weeks this time. He, he Other times he's like, I could leap out any minute. I got to get it while the getting's good. I'll grant you that. But, you know, this... <laughs> But that that moment where they where they do go to bed together, you can see from the the tenderness and the looks they're giving each other. Again, I think it's very beautiful, but it's clearly their first time. I didn't read it that way at all. I mean, that montage could also not be linear. They just thought that would be the uh... how avant garde. Ooh. <laughs> am, am I the only one that gets bothered by? just knowing what it is they're talking about during the montage. There is something very cheesy about that that reminds me of the Starcross montage where uh, there's the passage of time stuff and he's trying to explain string theory. Is that what he's doing this time? How do you know what he's talking about? That's what I think's happening here. I think he's explaining string theory and they're having a laugh about it. And it's... That's what Sam's into. He's really into explaining the string, the string theory. He's like, oh man, science, I have my chance. I get to talk about time travel 
Alison, I have explained <laughs> string theory to so many women and none of them have slept with me. So I, I don't buy that either. <laughs> it just... <laughs> no, see, this is where you're wrong, Matt, because didn't you get how conveniently Tamlin knew all about Quantum Leap? I'm from the future. And you leaped here. Yeah. Project Quantum Leap. It's a time travel experiment. See, I'm, I'm really from 1990. How soon before you leap out? Oh, yes, and I'm a time traveler, and she just brushes all of that aside as if she intuitively figured all of that out with her wonderful psychic abilities. And I have to say, while that made no sense to me, at that point, the psychic stuff was annoying me so much, I was just relieved. I was relieved that we didn't have to go through her finding it out psychically, that she just, okay, yeah, yeah, Quantum Leap, sure. Yeah, everybody knows about Quantum Leap. Moving on, let's go sleep together. Um, I, I don't think that they were yakking about the project i think that what we saw in the montage was them supposedly getting to know each other stuff and you know in the meantime they are sleeping together the whole time in my opinion in my fantasies in my scott fantasies oh boy that montage is beautifully shot and i wouldn't have it any other way i'm I'm quite happy with the fact that you don't know what they're saying and i, I i'm not trying to suggest they should have done it differently uh but i just really want to know what they're talking about they're talking about what love is. Ah, that's it. And she's showing she's him. She's showing him. You want you want them to show you. That's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, um, you're right, Matt. The um, that when uh, Sam leaps in, it's after a bunch of women have already been killed by the serial killer, and and that's a question that I have for a lot of episodes where someone has already died or multiple people have died, and that it's like, why are these people worth saving but not them? Yes, I guess because it's more dramatic that way. But um, as far as like him leaping in two weeks before he has to do anything, I like that he's really just getting a break here because he never really gets those. Mm-hmm. So it was nice he did get to just spend two weeks having a romance with someone. And um, th- this is the first time he gets to be with someone on a leap that knows who he is yeah. and is in love with him for who he is, not the person he leaped into. And I think there's something really great about that and kind of unique and uh, uh, this will probably be controversial to some people but I thought that this was a way more believable romance than Sam and Donna. I agree. It feels more earned. Like the Donna stuff um, it, in the first episode she showed up you you got why he was pining for her and I felt like there was more of a, a, a developed character there but as far as Donna as an adult uh, as them as a married couple we just didn't get anything like it it, i just i felt so cold about her character she was just a a plot device and here it felt like they took some care into putting some character into tamlin trying to build up why these two would care about each other i completely agree with that and i don't feel precious about donna i just feel precious about the continuity of the show and the fact that donna just seems to have been hand waved away very conveniently yeah, that's another reason why I don't like Donna, because it doesn't yeah. matter in the end. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You have the out at the end of the leap back where she says she'll tell him nothing, so um, Al doesn't. What I think, I don't mind the romance so much on this. I think it was rushed. I think they put it in because show. I think mm-hmm. that they just wanted to have Sam have a romance. I love the fact, like you, Allison, that he had a two-week relationship, that he was able to be him. Mm-hmm. I just wish that we had seen more of that 
in the episode because there are ramifications there. What is he doing for those two weeks? How is he interacting with Al? Where is Al during all of this? Is, does he just say everybody in the control room take about a week off because Sam's not talking to me? They all need um, a vacation. What are the ramifications? He he touches on it. Are you going to leave Dylan in the waiting room forever because you say that you want to stay? Like These are more of the character elements and the drama that I wish they would have mined instead of the cheap um, serial killer kind of stuff. And I saw it as a real missed opportunity. I guess so. Yeah, I, I do feel like um, Al's character got kind of left behind in this episode to the point where he was uh, annoying because he just kept like interrupting other stuff like because they didn't <laughs> have much for him to do. Uh, and I found it interesting that Sam tells her everything except about Al. He never tells her. Why is that? Yeah, I found that odd. I think it's um, so they could keep the psychic bullshit up, to be honest with you. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> right up until the end, you know, she's sensing Al. She's looking right at him. I sense, do you sense a presence? I sense something, blah, blah, blah. And it was a way, it was a gimmick. But then at the end, when he's he's tracking her. Right. And she's on the rooftop and he, he appears next to her. Can you hear me? And she's looking at him, but she doesn't make any indication that she can hear him. And yeah, another missed opportunity. Maybe they could have used that to some good effect. But it's it's also it's got to be very distracting saying, look, I've got an invisible friend that can pop up at any time. You're not going to know where or when he is. Let's have sex now. <laughs> <laughs> Think it through. <laughs> Uh, I didn't. I, obviously, I didn't. That is obviously the reason. That's it. No, no more discussion is needed. Do you think, like, Sam not telling her, uh, maybe this is a bit of headcanon, is, uh, is him just kind of wanting something for himself for a while? Just kind of separate from the project. Just have something for, for him. Yeah, maybe. But she knows about the project. And Al knows about her. So I'm just thinking, like, why would keeping Al, like, the knowledge of Al from her, unless he just didn't want to answer any questions? Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe is that what you're getting at? Like, he just didn't even want to be freaking bothered with it. He just wanted to enjoy time with her without, with it just being them. Yeah, rather than be like, my invisible friend's going to show up and tell us what's going to happen with information from the future, all this other stuff. It's just like, I'm from the future because I'm a time traveler who's going to save you. That's what's going to happen. She's going to keep saying, all right, he's here now. What's he telling you? What's he saying? And is Sam really going to want to say, well, he's kind of disapproving of this relationship a little bit, and he doesn't want me to stay. And by the way, he thinks I'm way too old for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the gall. Yeah, the I know. The gall I know. of, you're too old for her. <laughs> We've forgotten about like, Tina as well. Yeah, his like super young girlfriend. What a hypocrite. Yeah. Is this the first time that Sam pursues a woman on, on a leap? Pursues one, like actively. Yeah, like he's like looking for her when she comes out of the crime scene. Like he is making moves on her. Hmm. Good question. Mm. And like usually he's like, oh, I couldn't possibly. But he's <laughs> but he's going for it. He's being very forward for, for Sam, I think. I think you're right. And again, I wish that there would have been a little bit more to that as to why he felt so drawn to her. Again, I realized that they just wanted to make this a romantic episode. And I think that when you come down to it, the reason they didn't do 
all the stuff with let's tell her about Al and, and the stuff that I wish that I could have seen with the conflict between, you know, what he should be doing, what he wants to do, which to me would have been a, a great bit of the episode, although we saw a lot of that in like the leap home. I think it's because they just wanted to focus on the romance. They just wanted to have a romance episode. So you don't want to break the magic. You don't want to sort of break the mood with the logic. You just want to keep up with the montage and the music and the romance and you know, the good knocking boots. So what you're saying is the romance episode wanted to focus on the romance? Yeah. And um, to its detriment. <laughs> <laughs> really could have used some more explosions. And um, and a, I was going to say an, a, an evil Italian, but they do have an evil Italian. Yes. In the <laughs> <laughs> Tony Besh. Tony Besh? Is, is he not Italian? Besh. I forgot about Besh. That's what a non-entity. That red herring was. I... <sighs> I always forget the point of him in this episode. I, I think because they kind of like, they're like shouting over each other, like what he actually did. I think what they're saying is that he just, he killed one of them. He said Janine. I, so I think he killed one lady and they, they suspect he's a copycat. It might be that he did it like for some other reason, but he was just lumped in with these murders. Uh, it's not very clear. It's a little rushed. If you're going to do a red herring like that. A lot of this plot is just because show. And um, I think that um, you, you talk about like the – now we're getting into more of the thriller aspect of the show, which also to me made very little sense because if there's this this press to catch a murderer, yet then we take a two-week hiatus to have a romance, um, then all of a sudden it's Valentine's Day. You've done nothing yeah. <laughs> apparently to try to track down who this killer might be. It did feel weird that they're like, yeah, I guess we should try and get on this. It's Valentine. It's the day of the murder, I guess. It's the day of the murder. <laughs> and then I don't understand. I don't re- it just went by me and I, I didn't have the strength <laughs> to rewind and see, but apparently they have to go back to Chinatown where the killing is going to happen because it's it's our only chance. How is it your only chance? Why don't you get in a car and go to Utah? And I think it was their only chance because it was their only shooting location. <laughs> Obvious backlot shooting location. Oh, yeah. That, they, that same uh, alley in, or that same uh, street in Chinatown has been used in so many things. I recognize that um, good luck shop, the, the green one. I see that in so many things. Um, it seemed weird that, like, Sam says... Uh, oh, well, no matter what, like, she dies, even though they've never shown that in the episode, that they attempted something else and then she still dies, which would have been great to to indicate. And if that's the case, then they should have included into the fact they're like, okay, whoever is the killer knows what moves we're making, so it has to be someone close to us, because otherwise, why would us changing something mean that they would still find her? Right, because like, Sam is all, he's he's all hormoned up. He's all foggy. He's got all the sex fog. <laughs> all the sex fog? <laughs> you you tell me. <laughs> yeah, well, Al really dropped the ball, too. I don't know what Al's doing. Half the time, he's just going like, oh, you got to go do this, Sam, and don't do this, and I'm just annoyed that you're you're having sex. <laughs> and, like... I really, I really liked his um his delivery of the the line like when he's trying to get Sam out of the bed to go chase uh after Tony Besh, and he's like, "Come on, go get dressed, go get out, go go go," and then at the very end, just "Good Lord, <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord," <laughs> yeah, that was good. 
I mean, but I guess maybe they brought this up in Permanent Wave too, or Sam did specifically, but it's just like Al is always like, you're such a prude, and why don't you go have sex with this one and go have sex with that one? And then the second Sam does to go to have sex with someone, whether it be with the twins in Permanent Wave or with the with the chick in the closet in Hurricane <laughs> or now with, with Tamlin, he just gets all bent out of shape. Like, you shouldn't be doing that. Just like, make up your mind, dude. <laughs> yeah, he, he secretly loves Sam and wants him for himself. He's jealous. It ties into the the themes of the episode. Absolutely. Jealous friendship. That's what it is. Wow, we're getting into another aspect that makes no sense, but go ahead. <laughs> I, ju- I just wanted to point out, I'm probably the only one who noticed this, uh, Sam's boxers, the, the hearts and the bears, um, those are reused from Animal Frat. He wore those then, too. Really? I uh, wasn't looking that closely. <laughs> Believe it or not. You have comparisons side-by-side screen caps, don't you, Allison? I do, yeah. (laughs) I knew it. That's what we should put up. Patreon-exclusive boxer comparison. (laughs) But I know you wanted to get into, into the jealous friendship thing. Yeah, well, the jealous friendship thing, it ties into a lot of the TV stuff that doesn't make sense. Here's one thing I really did like about the episode, and it's one of the few times that they ever cop to it. When Ross says to Tamlin, I've known him for 25 years, and he has never acted like this. Mm -hmm. And... That is the only true thing that was said in the entire episode, as far as I was concerned, because it finally somebody would recognize that Sam is not someone that mm-hmm. they know and love and is not acting like the person they know yes. and love. And I realize you have to suspend that for the show because that's the premise of the show. People just buy that he's who he says he is. But I think I've said this on Mike before. If Laura was replaced by a leaper, I would know in mm-hmm. four seconds. <laughs> and I think it's vice versa. But like, okay, but if you had no context for time travelers leaping into other people's bodies and she started acting weird, you would think that she was acting weird, but you wouldn't immediately jump to the conclusion that is not your wife. I don't know. How paranoid am I? Well, then maybe you got some mental problems to (laughs) immediately be like, it's a a lizard person has replaced her. I would notice immediately that she's not acting like herself. It is rarely acknowledged in, in other episodes. You're right. I, I just feel like it's something that people would notice more, but they don't because because it's the show. So, again, because show. This felt very plot relevant, at least, because uh, I, I think that Ross was a really interesting character in that, like, it, it was all about his, his jealousy of coming between his his friendship and his, his partnership and uh, the fact that what after 25 years, this lady comes in and is, is taking him away. And um, he definitely is a character who has a problem with women. So I just found that, you know, rather than like a, a jealous lover aspect or whatever, it was this this intense protection of this friendship that he has. Okay, but but here's the real fallacy of that, is that he seems to want to maintain the relationship on a professional level, even though they are friends, because he even says, um, we could get a job with an affiliate because they're they're covering this murder. Uh, apparently, this is this is the way I took it. They were working for a local station, like a smaller station, like like I have. Like they're working for Channel Twelve. I work for Channel Twelve on Long Island. We're in a big market. There's NBC. There's ABC. There's CBS. They're local network affiliates. So I got to think that they're in San Francisco, at a local station, trying to get you know into one of those affiliates, and that's great. But number one, reporters and cameramen are not matched sets, so. Even if they hired Dylan, there's no saying that they would hire Ross. But maybe they had each other's backs, you know, like one of them makes it and then puts in a good word for the other. 
I, I, I guess, I guess, or he could say, if you want me, you got to take him. Yeah, yeah, like like at the end of the plays, the thing, you know, you you, you want me, you want me in the boxer boy <laughs> outfit. You you've got to get this uh-huh. chick to sing. Yeah, but you're right. It doesn't really make any sense that they're like paired up. <laughs> but here's the other thing. I mean, they're right in LA, so they do have bigger affiliates right there instead of a local station. They would just be sending their own people to cover the story. They yeah. wouldn't need Dylan. I think the, the the fallacy here is that Dylan was getting some kind of inside scoop, but they never really used that except for the fact that he was able to get to a scene first. Well, the killer was uh, was the one calling him, so he was always there. But then he would get there, and the cops would get there, and then the affiliates would get there. So again, it's it's sort of, but I mean, this is again, it goes right down to the first scene when Ross is counting him down. He's going five, four, three, on five, four, three, two. So, and I'm like, wait, oh, you're counting too fast. That's not, I've counted people down in the control room a million times. It's five, four, three, and he's going five, and right there, I was right out of it. <laughs> so it's just like. That's how nitpicky I can get on this. But how is that a fallacy in in his jealousy in the episode? It wasn't just about a professional thing. Oh, it's not. It's just... You've just gone on to a a whole rant about everything now. (laughs) To me, their relationship relationship was based on their professional relationship first. Yeah, but he also... He was sad that he missed his birthday and all this other stuff. Like, there was personal stuff there, too. I just felt like they tacked that on at the end. All right. I don't know. I'm not saying you're wrong. It, well, you just... know, when when it uh, when it all came crumbling down, it's like he turned into into Barney on The Simpsons. Please, please, I'm not gonna let you die. I'm already dead. Don't cry for me. I'm already dead. Don't cry for me. I'm already dead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I just want to say I laughed my ass off at the hilarious dummy falling. Yes, when he falls off the side of the building, I love a good dummy fall. <laughs> like I howled with laughter when that <laughs> dummy. <laughs> and I don't know if it was because of a du- it was a dummy fall. It was just like at that point the episode was so convoluted and ridiculous <laughs> that it was just like, oh no, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. I couldn't contain myself. I did not believe that that sleeve was ripping at all. Like, that was such a bad sleeve rip. Like, oh, no, he can't save him. (laughs) 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 Did you guys recognize that that actor who plays Ross? He's in a a bajillion things, but he was also in uh, The Rocketeer. Oh. I really his name is James Handy and I didn't go through his IDB list, IDBM or whatever. <laughs> BDSM <IMDb>. list. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> That's for Sam and Tamlin. <laughs> do you think honestly, do you think that Sam Beckett is into BDSM? Honestly. Do you think he's into anything other than missionary? I don't think so. If- <laughs> If Tamlin wanted him to be in this episode, I think he would have been. Yeah, I think she'd have she'd have shown him what that kind of love is. <laughs> she, she showed him what love is. It's painful. Oh my gosh, she got him the orange tea. She knew it was his favorite, the orange spice tea. And then she had him wrapped around her little finger. Well, let's go into a little bit of that, the psychic stuff. I was I, I, I'm bagging on it, but there was... Um, 
the the one thing that I really did like the strength of this episode and why I remembered it uh, mainly was the fact that somebody can see Sam for Sam. And that is the first time that I think they've ever done that on the show. Yeah. And I thought, I remember thinking that that was neat. Well, except for like kids. Kids did see him. Right. But I mean, I mean, someone that he was directly involved with in the leap, right? The, the drunk guy in Hurricane. In another mother, the little girl could see him and yeah. he was taking care of her. But yeah, like as far as an adult and someone who has agency in the situation. Yeah. Right. And him voluntarily outing himself. Right. You know? Yeah. So I really like that part of it because that's the sci-fi stuff that I wanted to cling to. That was the sort of the mythology, the, the, the quantum leapy stuff. But it's funny because when I first saw this episode, my parents had started watching the show too because they, they knew I liked it. My dad was somewhat into it. But then when I started watching, they started watching it. At this point, I had written my paradox, my spec script, my episode, and I'll never forget my mom, we were talking, I don't know, a couple of days after this episode aired and she's like, oh, did you see Quantum Leap this week? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, that part where she saw him in the mirror. And I'm like, yeah. She said, yeah, you could tell a real writer wrote that. I was like, thanks, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Not like you're garbage. Oh, sorry. She well, not like your garbage. She got the accent. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, Bronx. Let me guess. When when full knowledge got published, you just sent her a copy with "fuck you" written on the inside cover. <laughs> Never. <Yuma. laughs> Who's a real writer now, Ma? That's right. <laughs> I got your real writer right here, uh, Mom. I'm only joking, Mom. If you listen to this, I don't mean any of this. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. So maybe another negative uh, aspect of the episode for me personally. I feel like um this it it should be strange that there's a psychic on this show for sure because yeah. this is a show that occasionally delves into the supernatural, but generally outside of the time travel is is grounded in in a reality. But um, I, I there's a lot of shows that seem to do this, like even shows where like no supernatural elements exist, psychics are real. Yeah. Mm. Like, psychics seem to be the, like, generally accepted TV thing, even when supernatural stuff is is not there. I'm trying to think if this was sort of, like, influenced by The Dead Zone, um, the Stephen King book, and then film adaptation came out. Maybe. You had a psychic on a police case doing that. I don't know if that's the first time you saw something like that, but it has become a trope. Yeah, sure. A real trope. You're right. It's very common. Yeah. Wasn't it convenient when Sam's like, I remember uh, reading somewhere that psychics can foresee other people's deaths, but not their own. And then it's exactly the truth. It's like, all right, this isn't a science here. Where was he reading this? He's reading about psychics. He's got a photographic memory. He probably just flicked past that in a magazine one day. Just a bit of idle reading. After he read The Feminine Mystique, yes. he just popped in one of those books yes. on audiobook. <laughs> he was taking the Cosmo quiz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the psychic stuff in this was just melodramatic and tedious when it wasn't downright painful. I, I think that Tamlin Tamita is a fine actress. I think that she was good in the episode, but the psychic stuff did not serve her well. I don't know if it was the writing. I don't know if it was, if it was the delivery. I don't know if it's just that I wasn't buying the premise. Um, maybe it was a little bit of all of it, but I mean, that's when the episode got just downright bad to me. <laughs> not not funny bad, but like, oh, can this be over bad? I disagree with everything you've just said. <laughs> wow. 
And I, I don't have an eloquent way of putting why you're wrong. I just didn't feel that. I was quite happy with the psychic element. I thought Tamlin did a great job with it. I love the bit where she's where she's talking about seeing her mother after she's died, and that's yeah, yeah. such a beautiful scene. Um, yeah, I, I'm not that fussed about psychics or fantasy elements in any kind of TV shows. I thought it was great here. Yeah, I thought the, the psychic stuff was also a good way of... Um helping to round out her character and understand her more. That scene talking about her mother, you could see Sam connecting with her there. Yeah. Um, and he's someone who's also lost a parent, so I think that helped them to to connect there. And I thought it was very interesting that, like, she saw him in a dream and Sam was this mysterious uh, figure that she knew that she was going to meet. And that's part, I guess that's part of why I bought at least that immediately they had this connection that they didn't really know why they just knew that they should know each other. And I'll give you that. And I think that would have worked had she said something like that instead of, I was floating on a lake <laughs> under a full moon in eternal night and I was caught in a whirlpool. I tried to swim, but then it pulls me down deeper into eternal night. I see a man reach out for me, and he's come from a place far away. It's you. I see music like no one can (laughs) on the air. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It's a little bit... uh, um, Overblown? Schmaltzy. Yeah, but I liked it. But I can see why if that doesn't work for you, the whole thing's going to fall apart. For sure. Yeah, and some elements worked better than others. You're right. I made fun of the ghost mom stuff before because um, you hear a lot of stories like that. So that's a very common kind of ghost story. But she seemed much more convincing in that scene to me. Well, and it's also, uh, it helps to build up the fact that the episode toys with maybe it's not really psychic. You know, like people have dreams about their parents. You know, it could have just been a coincidence, even though. Uh, I think personally, it was just the the psychic element of it, but I agree. And they were leaving a little bit of wiggle room until she was doing the the whamajama over the mug shots. <laughs> he's hiding behind a mask. That scene in the Tony Besh stuff seemed kind of like time wasters. <laughs> it was filler, filler that you could have used for you know more character stuff, yeah. for more Sam Al conflict, or even more building the Tamlin and Sam relationship aside from the montage. Yeah, I think the uh, the psychic stuff also made the bit at the end punch a little bit harder too. The fact he says, "Well, I, I could come back," and you know he doesn't really believe it. You, you never know. I, I I could come back. No, you won't. And they just know that's their last moment. Oh, don't, Allison. You're making me cry. Oh, it was really sad. Hmm. Well, now he's leaping himself. Maybe he does come back. Maybe he does in the books. I don't think he did, but... <laughs> Post-mirror image, he does. Post-mirror image. He, he leaps in to go see her. Yeah, exactly. And it's the second he leaps out. He's right back in the street as himself, though, right? Because he doesn't, he doesn't replace anybody anymore. Oh, wow. Big spoilers for the end of yeah. the series. Oh, my God. You ruined it. <laughs> but the thing is, when he leaves, she won't remember him. <laughs> anyway. Oh, no. We could go down that rabbit hole. Now, that's interesting. Now we got a science fiction show. Maybe that's why he never returns home. Because he's completely forgotten about Donna. And his next leap, he just goes back to San Francisco and lives out his life there. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to go back to Donna. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) 
Ugh, I hate my <laughs> wife. I'd rather not go back to that. <laughs> She'll hit me with a frying pan. <laughs> Sir, you should have left home years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh track. <laughs> Watching too many Tim Allen yeah. movies. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> I liked the way this episode was shot. This ties into the romance a bit. I think it looks really great. Like, I, I loved all of the um, the lights out of focus uh, in the background. They had some interesting camera angles, especially during, like, the fight on the roof. They had um, a shot where when he's running through Chinatown where they just, like, pan down to a puddle as he's running through it. Yes. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I think that... The directing in this, I didn't actually make a note of who directed it, but I thought it was uh, it was really well shot. The only thing that disappointed me, I think the whole final sequence would have looked better at night. Yeah, I'd have loved it if that the whole climax, um, if they'd been able to do that as a night shoot, it would have been so much prettier. But yeah, it, it's it's a beautiful looking episode. I've got to look up who directed it. Hang on, I felt like though they were limited with their shooting locations i thought that the shooting locations were a little problematic in this one because again that that's the same back alleys and then you're on you're on top of this thing and that's another thing that took me out of the episode he dragged tamlin uh when ross finally comes out as the killer what does he drag her for like six blocks and then like up a building and she can't fight back once and no one else notices in chinatown <laughs> and no one else notices in broad daylight <laughs> they're like mm. I'm minding my business. This was uh, directed by Christopher Hibbler. It was his first Quantum Leap episode. Really? He returned to do Starlight, Starbright, A Tale of Two Sweeties, and Goodbye Norma Jean. Oh, all right. Some pretty good Quantum Leap cred there. One thing, since we're talking about Chinatown, one thing I wanted to note is um, a Chinatown episode is a kind of a, a stock thing for a lot of shows, especially around this time. Like, they'll, they'll have, like, a token Chinatown episode because... They have uh, a street in Chinatown they can shoot in, so they got to write something around it. And uh, and I generally hate Chinatown episodes because they're always written like the most stereotypical seedy bullshit, and it's like focused around like opium dens or tattoo parlors. Everything's really smoky. You generally, for some reason, they just write it around like a bunch of characters that you never. They're not the main characters, and it's just a bunch of other people. I don't know why this is, but there seems to be this, like, idea that, like, Chinatown always has to be this way in shows. And I feel like this is the rare example of a Chinatown episode I really liked. And I think it's because, while there is the serial killer element, which is uh, very seedy, uh, generally it's not focused on that. And it has um, more positive portrayals of the Asian actors as well which I thought was uh, was really great. Uh, Tamlin felt like a rounded character that wasn't um, defined by her ethnicity either. Like, she could have not been Asian, and the, the story wouldn't change at all. So, yeah, I liked this episode because uh, it, it turned me around on a, a Chinatown episode. It's funny, now I'm going to be looking for Chinatown episodes in 80 shows <laughs> and seeing if it's the same street. Yeah, they definitely used it on Baywatch. <laughs> 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 but they used more um, terrible Asian music stings to remind you they're in Chinatown. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's also another great thing about this, too. Um, Felton Ray Bunch did the soundtrack with uh, a slightly more Asian flair, but it didn't go into just stereotypical 
gong sounds yes. and bullshit that a lot of these things do. And it's funny because I was waiting for the uh, closing credits to be covered in <laughs> Foreigner. Practically draped and dripping with Foreigner. And it, Sadly I not. I know what love is. If only. <laughs> it was the more Asian-inspired theme, I guess, the suite for the, for the episode. So yeah. it's nice that Felton got his way there. And maybe they only could only use uh, so much Lou Graham. There's only so much Lou Graham that you can take before it just, you know, you just melt. <laughs> Did you guys notice the uh, the reflection for Dylan Powell was uh, Harker Wade? Oh! I don't think they credited him because... Uh, what did he do again? He worked behind the scenes on the show. I want to say he was a producer, but I could be wrong. I'm going to look it up. Matt, you No, I'm know. just checking to see if uh, I actually credited Harker Wade in the book, which I did. So, yes, I did I did notice back then. You did, yeah. He was the supervising producer for this season. Okay. So there you go. Little tidbit. That's pretty cool. And he had to do, like, a little bit of acting. You know, he had to, like, walk up behind Tamlin and the comforting hold on the shoulder. And that was, like, a good transition, too. They had him, like, come uh, grab her shoulder and then the close-up and then pan out and then Scott Bakula standing there. That was very cleverly done. It's all right. Oh, my God. What? Who are you? So if Dylan is like going to retire in a year, why does, why does Ross care that they get to an affiliate? Yeah, I'm going back to it. <laughs> You're whining. <laughs> because he wants his friend back. He's, he wants to be on top. They're just giving him what the audience wants, blood and guts. They were all just hookers. They were littering the streets. Ruining what used to be a great city. Besides, we're just giving the public what they want. Sex and murder. Ratings, man, ratings. If people are sick enough to watch it, hell, let's give it to them. <laughs> That's what they want. Oh, God, yeah. That whole... I, I like Ross's character, but the whole descent into serial killer cliche, it's all society's fault in any way. They're only hookers. They don't matter. Yeah, littering the streets. Nah. They should have just left it like it was. Like he just—he was jealous of yeah. uh, this girl coming between his friendship, and he's like, "Well, this is convenient because I'm already like posing. I'm already a serial killer, so <laughs> just get her out of there and then <laughs> save her jobs." And there we go for a year—a convenient serial killing. Yeah, we were the first ones to report it. Here's one thing I noticed that we can call Mr. Hibbler out, Christopher Hibbler, the director. Um, did you guys notice that in the beginning of the third act, Al's cigar smoke is visible? Yes. Before the handling sound effects announce his presence. Oh. And quite a bad one. I was wondering, was Tamlin in bed smoking? <laughs> like, there's all this smoke in the room. And I'm thinking, I know Sam's not smoking. Well, you know, they just had sex. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I, was, I thought they were going to pan back and she was, you know, was going to be the L sheet where she's covered up to her chin and he's covered down to his boxers. <laughs> L sheet. And uh, <laughs> she was going to be smoking a cigarette or something. But And then I hear Al's voice and i was like whoa, whoa, that's disconcerting wait a minute I, I like she shows up in her like cute robe and it's trying to like make out with him when he's gotta like <laughs> try and get leap stuff done <laughs> not now honey i got leap stuff to do i got leap stuff to do uh it, while we're talking about fashion i just wanted to point out al's outfit with the hat i hated it <laughs> oh, we never hear you say that well you know the individual pieces are are fine but together it was a bad outfit i didn't like the hat that's the that's the part I didn't like the most. And plus, he was just annoying in that scene. He just shows up to be like, Sam, 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 and then leave. Like, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything in this entire episode. Yeah, that's really like a downfall. The, the, the purple uh, jacket came back in this episode, and that looks very good. So. so that's what he does. He wears a good jacket. He wears a good jacket. That's why Al is there. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, I mean, 
Any other observations about Temptation Eyes? Matt, I feel like you didn't get to say half the things that you hated about it. That so endeared it to you. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. That I, I think we've covered all the issues with it. But I, I think it's just worth reiterating. I don't give a crap about any of that. It's a brilliant episode. <laughs> I guess we got your final observation. <laughs> Allison, is, is this good Quantum Leap? Uh, apparently, it's a brilliant, brilliant Quantum Leap. Yeah, don't listen to Chris. This is good Quantum Leap. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to get the last word on this. This is not good Quantum Leap. Um, <laughs> mediocre thriller combined with mediocre romance. Neither a genre I enjoy. They gave us what we wanted. Blood and guts. <laughs> your, ex- <laughs> your mileage obviously may vary, but this one utterly fails for me on almost every level. And um, I don't actively, I guess, I don't know. Do I actively hate it? It's no dreams. <laughs> what could be? <laughs> What could be exactly, but but for me, this is not one I'm recommending. Matt, please, before before we sign out, Matt, please sing the song. <laughs> oh, we have, well, we're not signing out. We have we're gonna go to a break, and we have we have a ton of feedback. And I am not singing. <laughs> Come, what if we all did it together? You know, whenever you two guys start singing, I just go very quiet and, and look British <laughs> behind the microphone. <laughs> I don't do the singing bits. Sam wants to know what love is. He wants Damlin <laughs> to, show to show him. him. <laughs> I want to feel what love is. <laughs> gotta get up there. Gotta get up there. And I want you to show <laughs> me. I feel like such a dirty white boy. <laughs> All right. On that note, we are going. <laughs> the, whoa, whoa! I'm isolating that. On that note, we will take a break, and um, when we get back, we're going to go through some great listener feedback. It's been a while since we've done that, and we have a new Patreon patron to announce. So uh, stay tuned. We'll catch you on the other side. QLP is brought to you by listeners like you. Please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast and give as much as you can. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be a contributor to the quantum leap podcast. It goes to covering our server cost and helps keep the podcast going. Thank you. So what's Captain Game Show? Well, the short answer is it's a podcast. The long answer is it's a light-hearted trivia wordplay thunderdome. I call this game dark and gritty kids. Natural born sequel. What's my motivation? Epic bird play. Advertising 10101. Rhyme cast. Mr. Dalek. Life coach. I'll come up with games, and my guests come up with answers. He's got to put down the ducky if he wants to play the saxophone. The poor monogamy. Wolfgang Puck is Darkwing Duck. Big Grimlock is Tupac. My little pony friendship is Magic Mike. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> There's also improv, music, and an inordinate amount of rhyming. Good night, John Travolta, with Klingon-like hair. Good night, three percent rating. <laughs> you're tough, but you're fair. You can find Captain Game Show on CosmicPotato.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else you normally get your podcast. Round one, round two, final round. Fight! This is Sandy Freeze, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast.
And we're back. Um, Matt, are you going to sing now? You've had the break to think about it. Allison went above and beyond. She did it like a... <laughs> uh, 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 it, was, it was really passionate. It's not going to happen, guys. <laughs> no? <laughs> I, I will sing in the final episode, because if I sing now, people will stop listening. <laughs> so join us for season five, episode 22, when I, I will finally find something to sing about. When Matt's high note cracks the mirror in Mirror Image. So I can't wait for that. <laughs> hey, listen. All right. So I know that you're not going to come through a first today, Matt. That's okay. Don't worry about it. We're only doing a show here. It's really, <gasps> it's good. Um, <laughs> so someone who is coming through for us, we have a new patron. You know, I'm joking. You know, I love you dearly. Right? Yeah, I know. And and we can talk more about this when we talk about how this patron even discovered us. But go on. Carry on, Chris. <laughs> Who, who is this mysterious I new patron? <laughs> who is this new patron? Uh, we want to welcome aboard uh, Ben Kirkham. Ben joined us at the $5 Leaper level, and that means he gets access to all of our Patreon-exclusive content. To this point, that has included our Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park crossover with Movie Nights for about, I think, two days before Allison had to put it live on the Movie Nights feed. But Matt, you're right. Uh, I'm going to give you credit where credit's due. Oh, thank you. Apparently, Ben is a big Matt Dale fan. <gasps> Huge. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew I had one out there? Yeah, Ben has been uh, very supportive of the book, Beyond the Mirror Image. He was one of the very first people to uh, back it on Kickstarter. So, uh, yeah, he's he's been following me for some time. And the wonderful guy that he is uh, crossed over to the Quantum Leap podcast. So... Thank you for joining us, Ben, and thank you for the uh, the, the patronage. Well, he's he's got to start a Matt Dale fan club with us. We'll be the we'll be the three members. It'll just keep growing. Aww. Well, there you go. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Ben. Thank you, Matt, for bringing him yes, in. Thank you, Ben. Reeling him in, as they say. And thank you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just want to say, I know um, we've been a little bit spotty in releasing episodes lately. That's all on me. I just work a lot, and then the holidays completely knocked my schedule into overdrive. So we will be, uh, you know putting out more consistent content in the new year. And I just want to thank all of our patrons on Patreon who have stuck with us throughout sort of the, the mini drought. We are uh, so pumped to be back on mic together. It's been a while for Matt, Allison, and me. It's also great to be able to come back with great news, like a new supporter like Ben. So thanks to Ben. Thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. And thanks for everyone who listens. I mean, we got some good feedback. So I'd like to, oh, wait a minute. This is another. Okay, so Matt brings in Ben. And Allison, why don't you just read our new five-star Apple podcast review? Oh, I got to look at the notes now. I wasn't looking at them. <laughs> oh, that's the one from Critic Sean. Says, oh, we love Allison. Right. Oh, yeah, uh, Critic Sean. I know who this person is. He's on uh, my uh, other Patreon for Movie Nights. He's been following me for a while. He's, uh, he's great. Um, he puts on, on uh, the po uh, Apple podcast review. Five stars. Uh, found the show through Allison and her incredible YouTube channel. Oh, thank you. Uh, I watched Quantum Leap during the original run and loved it. And now I am enjoying revisiting the episodes via this podcast. Thank you, Sean. That's great. He's clearly a man of very good taste. <laughs> so we have we have um, the Matt fan base. We have the Allison fan base. And I obviously bring nothing to the table. So go me. Oh. I mean, it's a given that everyone is a Chris fan. <laughs> That's what they come for. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think so. They come for Chris. They stay for Allison. <laughs> Let's be honest. They come for Albie and they say, oh, that's not Albie. All right. We'll listen to these idiots. <laughs> so, um, I, I included this. Here's, here's something. It might get us into a little bit of a tangent, but I've often thought this. 
we got a, a direct message on Facebook from a listener named Jeff Weber. And he asked a very simple question. He says, I just rewatched the episode, The Leap Back. And do you feel it could have been a series finale? And I've always wondered, were they backing that as maybe a series finale if they didn't get picked up? Why, why would they, though? That was the season opener. It would have been a very short season. Yeah. <laughs> like a movie or something? No, no. But I mean, like, if, 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 do you think, okay, so maybe that doesn't make sense what I said, but I think that, that that's the kind of story that might have lent itself to a series finale. Mm. Say they had done the obvious thing and just leapt Tom Jarrett back into, back into Al and brought Al home so Stams could stay home. Do you guys think that that episode had the chops to be a series finale? Nope. No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I know you hate that episode. What, what do you think, Matt? <laughs> I I really like the leap back, and you know, if if I was watching it at the time without the foreknowledge of the next couple of seasons, uh, I I would say yes, potentially. Um, I have feelings about the way the show actually ended, which I probably won't share right yet. Suffice to say, I I'm glad the leap back was not the way they chose to end it. You know what? I'm going to mirror almost exactly what you said. Um, I have very strong feelings about Mirror Image that will obviously cover any kind of series finale chat that we have. And putting myself in place of someone who doesn't know where the show is going, being that this is really the first time since the pilot that we've seen the project and that they really expanded so much on the project, I think it would have made a pretty good series finale if they had somehow managed to bring Sam home. But you guys know that I like that stuff. I like that part of the episode, and I know that the episode for both of you didn't really gel that well. And those back-at-the-project elements were part of the reason for that, and maybe the Donna stuff too. But I'm going to say that I think it could have been a terrific series finale. You would have gotten the finale that a lot of um, butthurt fans have been crying for for the last (laughs) 30 years. That's where I'll leave that. Yes. (laughs) I feel like a lot of people wanted... uh it to end like this where he leaps back and then he sees his wife and then all this other stuff like if you ignore the ending of leap back uh yeah i could see that but um i wouldn't really want it to end like that because it comes off uh and i I don't mean this too disparagingly because i like fanfic but it comes off fanficy you know come home and then he's got his his perfect wife there for him and all this perfect stuff and he just didn't remember her because of this bbb um I don't know. I just wouldn't have liked it. But, uh, you know, we, we talked about this very extensively during the, um, the podcast for it. Um, I feel like it's two very good ideas that are, that are unfulfilled. And if, if this had been maybe a, uh, a movie and they'd ended it that way, I, I'd probably be okay with it. Yeah. If they didn't continue, like, after that and then, like, all the Donna stuff happened, but you didn't have to watch Sam, like, get together with a bunch of other women afterwards, it might have even come off better. In my mind, but uh, yeah. All right, yeah. And if you had no frame of reference to compare it to what came after, yeah, it might have been a little bit more satisfying. There are a lot of great episodes after the leap back. I think four and five are not as strong as uh, as the the previous three, but they do have some great episodes. Yeah, I love a, I love a lot of four. I love a lot of five. So I mean. Temptation Eyes and Dreams are really outliers for me because I think that this has been one of their strongest seasons yet. The fact that they they incorporate more of the project stuff and they start taking more risks, I I really liked. The show did evolve and that was good. Mm -hmm. 
for sure. So, so I guess Jeff, to answer your question, I think we all feel it could have been a series finale. But uh, do I do I speak for everyone when I say we're glad it wasn't? Yeah, I I, I don't. Yeah. I think so. I wouldn't have preferred it. All right. So there you go, Jeff. But thanks for asking us, Jeff. That was a can of worms, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have these these nerdy discussions after the main the main yeah. thing. That's that's one of my favorite things about doing this podcast with you guys, because you always have such good perspectives. And I'm just kissing your asses because you bring all the fans here. So I need to be in your good graces. <laughs> anyway, we got another message from uh, from the Facebooks, and I will read this one. It's from David Ria Bransgrove. And he writes, where have all of your specials and interviews gone? Question mark, question mark. You guys used to excel in this department. These episode reviews are five stars. Obviously, Allison. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but segments like Quantum Deep and interviews with people linked with the show really made this pod stand out over and above. Just some listener feedback, guys. Keep up the great work. Matt, Allison, Chris, Albie, Hayden, Zoe, and company. So, yeah, David, there has been kind of a drop down mm-hmm. in the interviews that we do. And I got to tell you, I, I think that Hayden chimed in on this one on the Facebook page too, just saying the Quantum Deep, you know, sometimes he has trouble thinking of them and then getting them produced. Um, everybody's busy. Hayden lives on the other side of the world. So we're all in bed when he's awake. Uh, so that's a logistical problem. But but you guys did just record one, right, Matt? You and Hayden did a uh, quantum deep together. Yeah. So we've um, we've we've tried doing one to bring it back. Um, I don't know what state that's at with the editing, but uh, I'm I'm as interested to hear how that comes out as as anyone. Yeah, and we'll get it to you as soon as it's available. It's not that we're not doing them. It's just that we don't do them with as much frequency because, you know, quite frankly, it, it's a time-consuming thing. For me, anyway, it's a time issue. And also logistics as far as getting the interviews. Um, we've had some people, we've had some leads on some people, some people I've requested who have who have gotten back to us, but it's just finding the time to sit down and uh, make these things happen. So uh, rest assured, they're not gone. Um, we already have Quantum Deep in the can. I have one interview that I'm really looking forward to doing. I hope it pans out. Once it does, I'll announce who it is. And, um, you know, until then, just try to keep on keeping on. I, I, I hope that we're doing a show that everybody's still enjoying. And I always think of the interview stuff as like, if we're lucky enough to get someone, then we will certainly, certainly bring it to you. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I'm excited to hear some more interviews because, like, I I, uh, I get mm. anxiety about doing them, but I do I do like listening to them, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd I'd like for us to get some more. And um, uh, Albie just released uh, an episode commentary on a little miracle with Sandy Freeze, so it, we did get something. But you're right, it is a little bit slower than it, than it used to be. So yeah, hopefully we can get some more going in the future. I I love those too. I'm confident that we will. So, David, um, just just be patient with us and um, enjoy enjoy what we're able to give you. I hope you enjoy what we're able to give you and uh, know that more is on its way. All right. So uh, we have one last email to get through. Um, this is from a listener we've heard from before, but he followed up because he heard us read his, his thing on the show. And uh, I thought it was a neat email. So if you guys uh, want to do our usual sort of round robin with this, I'll start. Um, The email is from Todd Lamp, and he writes, Hey, Allison, Christopher, and Matt, I am caught up. I just listened to the latest episode, Unchained, and much to my surprise, I heard you read an email from me when I was hunkering down to watch the whole box set of Quantum Leap in early September. Yes, a lot has changed since the podcast first started with Albie and Heather, but I have to say, I appreciate your shorter and more concise episodes. I had to fast forward through many of the interviews included on several episodes, Mm. so it just goes to show 
show you it, no telling what people will like, you know? So some people love them. Some people fast forward through them. But hey, it's all good. Anyway, Allison. I think your chemistry is fantastic. And I was cracking up during the wrong stuff episode. Uh, the butt stuff, you mean? The butt stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to cast my vote for least favorite episode thus far is Dreams. It doesn't even feel like a QL episode. I am shocked, too, that Deborah wrote this episode. Did she indicate in the script, tiny baby voice for Sam? Every time Allison imitates it, I lose it. Oh, what? It's my mommy! <laughs> but I can't be too critical! Compare QL to some of your favorite records! Oh, God, please There's stop. There's always a song or three that is filler when you skip over it when it comes out, right? The episode was just filler. <laughs> Matt, please, I beg you, take over. <laughs> Not, not in that voice, right? No! Do it! No, 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 no. I do have a question that's been nagging me. Why do you guys keep singing? Please, please stop. No, sorry. I that one no, that's not. <laughs> you are killing music for me. Um, no, sorry. So what, what Todd actually says is, I do have a question that's been nagging me, and maybe Matt has discussed this before, but on some episodes there is a rather bland narration from Sam. Who is he talking to? Is he telling this story to someone else in the future? <laughs> the narration isn't really necessary and provides no real insight. If he's talking to us, it's even more unusual and meta. Thoughts? Best Todd Lamp. He had quite a few questions. I think we should go back and go through it yeah. piece by piece. This is a lot. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So um, I wonder, you guys read the script. Does it say Sam talks in a high register? No, it doesn't. Um, there's some indication... That um, like he he sounds very small, so I think like they're indicating he is supposed to be very childlike, but I don't think it's supposed to literally be he is talking like a baby. Oh, are you blaming Scott for this? <laughs> I think he made a choice that I don't agree with. Yeah. But <laughs> sometimes you just gotta like go for it and commit to something as an actor. So like personally, I just thought it was very distracting. Did you read this one too, Matt? The script? Uh, I don't think I ever did. If I did, it would have been uh, many years ago. But yeah, I I can't remember what they say about the uh, the voice. I think I noted it in the podcast too that that's what the note was. Like it wasn't literally like a, a baby voice. Like you, Allison, I I think it's a choice Scott made. I admire him for making it, and I hope he never makes it again. But uh, <laughs> we have another question to get to. I've I've always wondered this too because I never saw the show. Um, when it was first airing on TV. To me, the show has always had the Saga Cell attached to it because it was rerun with the Saga Cell. And I'm wondering um, if the narration he's talking about is a lot of the stuff that we saw in the first and second season where he seems to be summing up past leaps, which kind of negates the Swiss cheese factor. But it is, is mm -hmm. it so that, hey, I see this new show Quantum Leap is on. It's been on for five or six weeks. People saying it's great. Oh, what's it about? Well, we're going to have a, a handy dandy recap at the beginning of every episode. Yeah. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm wondering if, if that was it. If you guys can answer that for me, then I have one more question to ask you. Yeah, so I think that this uh, they did stop around about the same time the Saga Cell was introduced. So I think where Todd says it's not really necessary. Yeah, I, I agree with your point, Chris. I think at the time it was necessary because they might have had new viewers and... Um, having Sam talking about leaping about in time, I've often mm. thought this, that, and the other. <laughs> At the turn of a cosmic clock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
oh god i wasn't even thinking of that part i I was assuming this is the the kind of first half of series two where he quite often makes some very bad pun based on what's going on around him it's so 80s but i've i've always assumed that he is talking to us i like possibly other alternatives like it's this is a how i met your mother type narration and he's talking to him and donna's kids in the future after he's returned home uh but no i i think this is just uh this is just a bit of breaking of the fourth wall. I I think it was serving the purpose that you're talking about, Chris, uh, like just to summarize what's going on, because I think before they had the saga cell, they had a real problem trying to get people to understand what the show is. Uh, and that happened throughout the run of the show. It's just a very complicated premise. Yeah, it really <laughs> it's great is. Once yeah. you know it, but like actually trying to explain it to someone just jumping into there, it's it's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure those narrations were that successful either because, like, um, yeah, they were weird and it didn't sound like he was talking to anyone, even in, like, I'm telling this story later. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't really fit. And they started petering off uh, into season three, though it was still going into, like, uh, eight and a half months. I remember them doing narration in that. But, uh, and occasionally they, they still do it through the show, but very sparingly. Like, I remember them having a narration over, like, Leap for Lisa, for example. Like, sometimes he's just trying to explain where he's at at this particular point in the story. But it, it becomes more about that versus just like, hey, audience, here's what's going on on Quantum Leap. There's quite a bit through Mirror Image, I think, isn't there? But that there, there sort of has to be there in that is. because he's got no one else to exactly. talk to. Yeah. Yeah, I think when he has no one to talk to, it comes up more. Like, uh, in, in uh, Last Dance Before an Execution, he did have some narration in there as well, like his, his inner monologue. And there's a good bit of it in the leap back, especially after he leaps back. Yeah. So, um, and I was, the, the other question I had to follow up with is... Um, I guess I have two because, believe it or not, I've never watched the show through from the beginning on DVD or streaming. I just started with the podcast and I haven't still gone back to like the first season to rewatch this stuff that hasn't been shown in syndication. Um, do the DVDs show it as it originally aired and when did the Saga Cell actually become a thing? How late into the series did the Saga Cell premiere? It was mid-season two. It was Another Mother, I believe. Yeah, Another Mother had the, the guy narrating it for just that episode. Yes. And it was um, Lance De- Galt? De Galt? What is the guy's Lance, name? Lance De Galt. Is that his name? Gosh, I'm not remembering. Uh, Lan- Lance Legault. Legault, yeah. And then All Americans is where um, Deborah Pratt takes over. Yeah. And uh, the Saga Cell, I believe, is supposed to... Well, I think retroactively, it's like, I guess it's Ziggy because it's that voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Chris, if you've only seen it in syndication, you probably haven't even seen that that version of the Saga Cell that's used in the second half of series two. No, no, more than likely. I'm a really bad fan when it comes to that stuff. But I mean, I just, I always think like I should watch Quantum Leap again from the beginning because I'd probably see so much that I haven't seen before, especially in the first few seasons, because I never saw them outside of syndication. So there are probably cut scenes that I don't know about and just a whole different vibe in the beginning that I know that I'm missing out on some stuff that's at least interesting as a, as, as a huge Quantum Leap fan. But it's just something I've never gotten. I guess it gives me something to look forward to. Yeah, Deborah does do a saga cell in the second half of series two, but it's not the um, hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. It's it's something entirely different. You'll enjoy that when you get to it. 
Yeah, the uh, the Lance Legault one really makes me laugh. Like because like the way he delivers it is kind of like it's some fairy tale storybook thing. Like it reminds me of like the King's Quest narration or something. <laughs> <laughs> A hologram only Sam can see or hear. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. The, I guess the, this brings up another question, Matt. Um, is the saga cell that you're talking about that Deborah did this different one? Is it the same one that you hear on the Quantum Leap soundtrack that is about 25 minutes long? Or <laughs> anyway, that's what it seems like if you if you're used to the syndicated one. Yes, it is. It's that one. It's a um, it's a different mix of it than appears in the episode. They had more reverb to it, right? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, and there's there's reverb in the first episode that she does, but it's different music in the background. So it's, and it's a different mix on the soundtrack. It's got the reverb, but it's got the new music. The way that they did the reverb in the show for like the first uh, handful of Saga Cells is really weird too, because like th- it was like there was just two tracks of her laid over each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was it's weird. A, it's a very cheap and cheerful reverb. But I've heard, um, I, you, you mentioned, uh, <laughs> The, there's sorry. kind of this retrospective cheap and cheerful <laughs> cheap like, and cheerful just, reverb like, yeah. that's that's that was my college band yeah. <laughs> cheap and cheerful should have been the name of my youtube show <laughs> <laughs> cheap and cheerful reverb that there's, there's like a retrospective that is now going to enter my lexicon there's a retrospective i'm sorry matt what? i'm sorry i just uh, uh sorry you fascinate no, no, no. me you are just you're the greatest you're the bomb go ahead retrospective what what <laughs> What's, I don't know what's going on anymore. The, the the retrospective fan theory that the the narration is being spoken by Ziggy because we know Ziggy has Deborah Pratt's voice. Uh-huh. I've I've heard an extension to that fan theory that says, well, Ziggy started off as a man because Ziggy was always being referred to as a he and only became a she later on. <gasps> so maybe the original Ziggy's voice was Lance Legault. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine him sound like Ziggy sounding like that through the <laughs> like a yeah. cowboy or something the whole time? <laughs> oh my gosh! I love it. <laughs> exactly. So try reading the novel Prelude again. But imagine Ziggy speaking with the voice of Lance Legault. It makes it entirely different. Oh my gosh, I love Cowboy Ziggy. Well, you were still calling you were still calling him he when uh, when Sam got back. So if only you weren't my well, father. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what's great is watching the show, um, especially early stuff before they did the Ziggy voice, and like noticing when Deborah Pratt is doing ADR for another character. <laughs> like in the pilot notably tina her yes. voice is deborah pratt and you just hear you're like that's just yeah. deborah pratt um <laughs> I, I swear there was one too where there was supposed to be like a little a little child's voice and i don't remember which one this was but it's just like you can tell that it's deborah pratt <laughs> doing the little kid voice <laughs> they needed a little child voice and they didn't get scott Bakula to do it <laughs> oh my mommy that's my mommy in there Oh my gosh. Pretty funny. Well, thank you very much, Todd. See, would you yeah, ask a simple you, question and we'll go on and on and on and on. <laughs> <laughs> I think guys, we're going to we're going to reserve these conversations. Maybe this is uh, the Patreon content we've been looking for because we sure can go on about nothing. And it's so much <laughs> fun. So much fun. So We'll try to get that in the works. But anyway, thank you, Todd, for um, your query and for your kind words. Thank you to everyone, to David and to Jeff and to critic Sean and, of course, to Ben Kirkham. Um, If you want to be like all of them, you can tell us what you think of the Quantum Leap podcast. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleap 
Leap Podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Quantum Leap Pod. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Quantum Leap Podcast. Just remember that we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And hopefully we do because we seem to have a lot of fun doing it. So, Could we call our shows Podcaps now because like it's a recap and a podcast? <laughs> Did I say Podcap? Was, I think you said Podcap. I love it. <laughs> I like well, it. I meant to say Podcast, but we can call it a Podcap. Sure. That'll be our, yeah. our the Patreon <laughs> Podcap. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, however you guys want to, if you want to listen to our podcast or our podcast, we appreciate it. So uh, please keep those thoughts and messages coming on in. And Matt, now that you've shown me what love is, what what could possibly be next? Well, next, Sam leaps into a Western. What? <laughs> oh, it's the last gunfighter. Killed my three brothers, Tyler. That just leaves you and me. And this town ain't big enough for the two of us. Oh boy. Oh, we're gonna have fun with this one. It's the rootinest, tootinest episode of Quantum Leap. Get Lance uh, LeGold in here. Oh, wait, he was already in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, this one, weird. Um, I think we could have a lot to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> when oh, it yeah. comes to uh, the last gunfighter. It's rootin' tootin' six shooting. You're right, Allison. There's a snake in your boot. <laughs> <laughs> <Come on. laughs> I cannot wait. Can we can we record this episode right after we get off mic for, for this current episode? Oh, because... yeah. Just watch that and then real quick power through. <laughs> Let's let's just do it. We don't need to actually watch the episode to talk about it. Can we just it. talk about the last gunfighter now? <laughs> yeah, let's just do it. Yeah, Western. Ambush. Oh my goodness, I can't wait. I don't remember any of this, so Lucky you. Lucky <laughs> you. Matt, I got a feeling you ain't you don't like this episode. Oh, I've got to watch it. That's the real problem. Shit. <laughs> All right, well, now who's a negative Nancy? I thought that was my job on this podcast, but... Uh, yeah, I love it when you when one of you guys hates it, and I, like, I'm either, like, indifferent or I like it, because, like, it's funnier if uh, you hate it, but I don't. <laughs> I, now I can't wait to watch this. I am determined that I will love this episode. It will be in my top five, but we'll see. Oh. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, because, like, much of season four, I haven't seen it probably in 20 years, and um, I look forward to laughing with you guys about it. Uh, until then, I've been Christopher D. Philippus. I've been taking a <laughs> sip of a drink right before you did it. I've been Alison Pregler. <laughs> and I definitely know what love is now. I'm Matt Dale. <laughs> and we will see you next time, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Alison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The Quantum Leap Podcast is edited by Albie, Christopher DeFilippis, and Allison Pregler. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap Podcast is Albert Burge. Juan Miro, Christopher DeFilippis, and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. 
Morgan Felden is the producer. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit barrenspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap Podcast is a Baron Space production. Whoa! In my life, it's been heartache and pain. Cause you know I can to change the lonely life. Come on, Matt. I want to know what love is. Come on. Not gonna happen. I want you to show me. <laughs> Bing, boop, boop. Stop ruining this beautiful song. <laughs> you're ru- you're you're disappointing the Matt Dale fan club. <laughs> what Ben? <laughs> yes. Do it for Ben. <laughs> temptation eyes. Yeah, I don't know temptation eyes. I don't know the words. I've got to listen to that now. Bum ba ba bum ba ba bum. Good stuff. I probably saw them do that live. And then you forgot it. I'm trying to think. Is it grassroots that sings in my midnight confession when I, I tell couldn't. the world that I want you? Or is that Gary Puckett, The Union Gap? That's a mystery only you can unlock, Chris. <laughs> you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 65, Temptation Eyes. Temptation Eyes. I have no idea what that's about. The Temptations? I don't know. Did I ever watch that one? I don't know. Temptation Eyes? Temptation Eyes. Temptation Eyes. That's a word. Temptation Eyes. To Temptation Eyes something. Hmm. Why did you get her all gussied up? To Temptation Eyes her. Temptation Eyes her. Temptation Eyes. I feel like such a dirty white boy.